Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 6, because we want to talk about why Jesus is so awesome. And we've talked about because he's real, because of the things he's said. And today I want to talk about the it's because of what he has done. Or more accurately, like I said with last week, we said, you know, the things he said, then we discovered, no, he's actually still speaking. So we say the things he says. And we can't say, oh, Jesus is awesome just because of what he did. It's actually because of what he is doing and, and do, he does now as well. In fact, when Luke was writing his report and he, um, his account of Jesus and the early church, which was split into two parts, my understanding is that um, people say, why did he split it into two parts, the book of Luke and then the book of what we call Acts? It's simply um, a continuation. If you read... I'll read this for the very first part of Acts. It says, The first account I composed to you, Theophilus, about all that Jesus. And then you know, so it talks about there. My understanding is that scrolls were a certain length. They would write and then that they would sort of get to a certain place. And um, that was a, a typical long scroll. And he got to the end of the first scroll. And that was the book of Luke. Got a brand new scroll out. That became the book of Acts. So it was a very practical reason as well as he's dividing it into two. He needed another scroll to um, write. But it's interesting how he, he phrases. He said, the first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. Um, so it was like, I'm talking, I've talked about what he began to do. Now I'm going to talk about what he does after he's been taken up. After he's gone back to heaven, what he does in now. And um, so we can say, why is Jesus so awesome? Not what he said, what he says. And not because of what he um, did, but what he does. And so I, I like to qualify that and say, but we want to particularly look at some of the things he did. Some of the things that um, were miraculous. I, I've always been interested in the book of John. Um, John was John. John marched to a different beat than the other people in life. I think he um, he and, and in a good beat. You know, he he was sort of listening to a he, he, heaven heavenly um, drum beat that was just a little bit different to a lot of others. And I, I, I am really seeking very diligently to try and learn how to walk in the. In John's drumbeat, because he was close to God and he saw things, and I'm trying to get into his rhythms. And uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke did it a certain way, and then John would do it his way, and they'd say it one way, and he'd say it his way. All good to balance out and sort of give us a you know a big broad picture of Jesus. But um, John, John did it his way, and um, you know we in our Breakthrough Academy, we were studying the miracles of Jesus, the healings of Jesus, and we we're using them to teach us. So we were working through Mark, looking at the, the miracles that Jesus did. And it took us, I think, like three weeks to get through chapter one. Um, because he was sort of, you know, this miracle and this miracle and this miracle, and then then he and he had and then all the people would come and he'd minister to them all and heal them, and then all the people would come and so you've got it's just like all the miracles that Jesus did. And then you go to the book of John, and um, he doesn't actually ever talk about the times when all the people came. They hap it happened, but he doesn't actually mention it. In fact, in um, John chapter 2, um, 
verse 23, John says this, when, when Jesus was in Jerusalem the par- at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, beholding his signs which he was doing. The only thing is he never, John never told us what he was doing. <laughs> I'm like, hey, John, you've, you've sort of forgotten to tell us that part. There's no, there's, it, many times um, in chapter 6 verse 2 it says, and a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. That's wonderful. But John doesn't really tell us what was happening. And I find it's actually one of the quirky things about the book of John he would actually say things and, and often forget to give you the details. And then later on, towards the end of the chapter, or maybe the next, he said, oh, by the way, this, to sort of fill you in. He said, oh, I forgot to tell you this. And I sort of, he didn't tell us about all the miracles that were happening. They were impacting people. And then at the end of the book of John, he actually writes this um, in chapter 20. It says, many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. We know, John. We know. We're guessing. He says, um, and at the end of, at the very end of the book, verse 25, um, he says, there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose even the world itself will not contain the books that were written. You know, like, yeah, I get it, John. If you wrote it, it would be, there'd be no space. There's so many other things. But, He said in verse 31 of chapter 20, but these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That was something that I'm very aware of. John was not just writing about the miracles. He was not like Luke trying to do a historical account. He was not like Mark who was just like, miracles everywhere! (laughs) Um, I love... Reading the book of Mark, we recommend the book of Mark to anyone who's brand new Christian because Mark hits the ground running. It's, it, it's, it's one of those books of, yeah, go, 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 and it, it's exciting. You know, I, I like books like that. I don't know, what type of book do you like? Do you like a book that you know, takes two or three chapters to set the scene, build you, get to know the characters a little bit, and then we start in the story? Put up your hand if that's your type of book. Uh, no, 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 no take. What? No takers. That's a. That's you know good. There's a lot of books out there that are like that. That's their style. Um, put up your hand if you like. With it by you know you're halfway down the first page and you're into the mystery and you're hooked and it's an exciting thing. Okay. Wow. You got you. You should read the book of Mark. All right. Read the book of Mark. No need to do any um. Any his you know history or or background or anything like that. We're just straight into it, and. Um, so John, John, you know, Mark's bang, 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 bang. John, hey, I'm actually going to share only a few miracles. And I, and I actually did a count, and I, putting together every little miracle I could find, you know, that was described. Not the ones where it says he did things, signs, but they don't describe them. But actually, every miracle, um, there's only about 10 miracles in the book of John. And I'm, you know, I'm including the resurrection and anything I could find. Like, <laughs> taking the big ones and taking the little ones. I was thinking, you know, what about I, um, when, when he was ministering to the woman at the well in Samaria and he had a word of knowledge. I said, that's a miracle. I'll flock that in as well. <laughs> that, that's not sort of a you know, major miracle, but it was enough for me to, to lock into. Um, 
not a lot of miracles. What you find is miracle um, and then maybe quite a long bit of teaching and another major miracle, but each miracle often takes a lot of time. But did you notice what John said? I write, my st- I write this on purpose. I write this on purpose. I also notice that John does not call them miracles often. Did, did you pick that up? He said, let's look, I'll read it again to you, verse 20. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples. Um, and in chapter 6, verse 2, which was, we're, going, we're going to be in chapter 6, and it says, um, a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing. Not the miracles, but the signs. That's an interesting word to use, isn't it? You know, I, I say, come, if, come, to, come to church, we'll pray for you, and you will believe for a miracle. Come and see a miracle. We had a miracle this Sunday at church. You know, this person was sick and they were raised. We, um, I, I loved, actually, I, I was made aware of it when we were praying before the service and we were talking about the miracle of Amy Ware. Amy um, is a lady in, in America who um, had Bell's palsy and it was very, you know, really noticeable. And she was believing God. And while we were ministering to the Lord here and praising the Lord, she was joining us in America and the Lord prompted her, don't just sit and watch, get up and engage. So she got up and began to praise the Lord wholeheartedly in her lounge room and she suddenly became aware that her face had healed while she was praising God. And she was featured on the Kenneth Copeland Ministries broadcast and they did a special five-minute segment talking about the miracle and because she was a partner with Kenneth Copeland Ministries and they were a part of the you know she they helped her get the word she went to um, you know one of their conferences so it was a not just us it was a broad thing we were we just happened to be praise God praying with her and God and and at the end of the um, testimony she said she said I was watching a church in Australia and when I got up to praise, I thought, that's us. <laughs> I was watching. We're that church in Australia. There's other churches, but we were that church. And um, that was a miracle. That was a miracle. I could say there was a miracle occurred. But John didn't call them miracles. He called them signs. What's the difference between a miracle and a sign? Well, a miracle is a wonderful thing that happens supernaturally that can't be explained. You know, it can't be, uh, it's not just a natural thing. It's something that is supernatural. You cannot just make it happen. It's something that must come from the power of God and from a place that's outside of the natural realm. But a sign means that it's giving you some information or pointing you somewhere. So I want us to say, okay, I want you to turn the person next to you and say, say, I am really good at reading signs. Because you need to be. You need to be. This, this, is, this is actually really important. All right? This is really important. You say, turn the person, turn the person again and say, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at reading signs. Now, you might not be good at natural signs. You might get confused by road signs and parking signs. That's okay. They're not the signs I care about today. You need to say, I'm really good at reading the signs of Jesus. All right? Because he's awesome and he does great things. 
but unless I read the signs, they don't help me. Does it make sense? Jesus can do something wonderful, but if you misinterpret the sign, you can go the wrong direction. People have looked at Jesus and said, oh, he was a good man. They didn't read the sign. They said, oh, some people say, oh, Jesus, you know, people go, Jesus, if he really existed, well, you've just misread the sign. He really did exist. <laughs> and Jesus, da-da-da-da, well, you've missed the sign. You've missed the sign. You, you haven't missed the you, you need to read the sign. Um, so I actually was looking at some signs that we can get us in the pattern. Don't worry if you can't read these signs because we need to read the sign of Jesus. All right, so just put up the first sign. Um, how do you like that sign? You're driving along in a busy highway. That's what you get. Yeah, actually works. It actually makes sense if you stop and look at it. Yeah, stop and have a good look. Hazard lights on. Um, I, I, can I just say something? My, my phone instruction person, I can't say it because whenever I say it, all my devices start jumping up. You know? S-I-R-I, you know that person? If I say it, all my devices start, like, yes, what do you want? Oh, master. But I'm getting instructions of where, you know, um, to travel somewhere. I don't know why. It's telling me how far to the turn-off that I shouldn't take. It's just, it's, I don't, it's happening more consistently. So it'll say, like, you're 200 metres away from that turn-off, but keep going. Well, don't tell me the turn-off that I'm not going. And, and it happened particularly where I was taking Caitlin to a, a class that was in the north side of Melbourne, and um, we're going down a very busy street, you know, the... Um, I think it might be Bell Street. It was one of the you know, famous old streets, but it's not very made... Well, it's not made for traffic, really. There's trams and a lot of people and cars parked and trying to get around. And I'm looking for a little side street because I've got to make sure I get the turn. And it keeps telling me 50 metres to keep going, 70 metres to keep going, 80 metres to keep... It keeps telling me, there's a street coming up, but keep going. There's another side street. Keep going. There's another side street. Keep going. I'm like, I don't want to know how far to the next street that I'm not turning on. Just tell me, you know, 450 metres to the one I am going to turn on. But it was very confusing. It just kept telling me, here's a turn, but don't go down it. So I'm not sure what Siri would have done with that. Oh, shut up. All right, next one. How about this one? Tell me what you're meant to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm coming, Jesus. <laughs> Only option. All right, next one. <laughs> yeah. Good thing we don't have to follow that sign. Next one. Just enjoy this. Yeah, just do that. <laughs> All right. Now, now I'll share some signs that people, when they were writing the signs, got confused over. Okay, so I th just for fun. They don't actually probably nothing to do with the sermon. But <laughs> when I was looking for strange signs, they came up and I laughed, so you will too. All right. First one. 
How about this one for your workplace? I'm not, <laughs> not sure that's what they really were intending to say. Yeah, okay. So we got that on the camera. Yeah, this is a, this is a work-free drug place. Okay, now that's probably drug-free workplace, but... Next one. Don't kill your wife with work. Let electricity do it. <laughs> Husbands, there's good advice. I think they meant to say, let electricity do the work. Like get an electric vacuum cleaner, an electric washing machine. Yeah, that's back in the day when, you know, get something that would do the work for it. But it doesn't, anyway. Next one. That's just not really thought through. <laughs> Appreciate the intention, but maybe the... Um, Application didn't quite nail it. He is awesome, but that's not what we're sort of aiming to do. All right, next one. <laughs> that's, that's a very narrow clientele, if you ask me. <laughs> not many people can use that toilet. Only if you're one of those particular people that's disabled. Yeah, anyway. Some little dots on the side would have helped that, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, next one. Yeah. Yeah, just, just, I think what they meant to say, there are people eating and there are children in this area, so please put your dogs on a leash. Didn't quite get it. <laughs> All right. If you've ever been to that park, you probably need to report it to someone. <laughs> Signs. Signs. Um, let's, are you ready to go on a follow the signs hunt with me? All right, this will... You need to, Jesus was really particular about this because he found that people were not reading the signs very well. People, people he would do things and he realizes you're not reading the signs. You're not connecting what I'm doing with what it's intended to take you to. Um, so he said, I am going to take you on a process of working out what this sign is. So, we're going to go through the whole chapter. It, you might say, oh, chapter of the Bible. Well, this is a long chapter. It's got 71 verses in it. So, but you are ready for a sign hunt. I will move through quickly if you are listening quickly. Okay? If you, if you, if you are paying good attention and I can move on quickly, we'll get through before 3 a.m. 3 p.m. 3 yeah, we've got people, got planes this afternoon to catch and... So I just got to believe that there'll be a delay so you can get there in time. All right. Let's go back to verse 1, chapter 6. Ready for our sign hunt. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or, to, or Tiberias. He, went, he, was, he was Tiberias. If you've been following Breakthrough Academy, you understand why that's important and follow through the places. And a great multitude was following him. Why? Why are they coming? Because they were seeing the signs. Signs, wonders, 
They're pointing, they say, we want to come and see these things. They're amazing, which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up the mountain and he sat there with the disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes, seeing that a great multitude was coming to him. Why are they coming to him? Because they've seen the signs. He knows they've seen the signs. They've come to him. He's now out in the desert. Not, he's not in a town. They've come to him. And he goes, you've seen the signs and you're coming. Wonderful thing. So he, was, he said to... Um, his followers, Jesus lifting up his eyes, seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread that, they, that these may eat? Let's buy them all bread. Let's get them some bread to eat. And Philip was like, uh, he's going to struggle. But notice what, Jesus, what it says in verse 6. This Jesus was saying to test him. For he himself, Jesus, knew what he was intending to do. He's got a plan. This is part of a plan. He's got a plan. And what's he going to do? He's, and he says, go and get them. He doesn't say food. He says bread. It's interesting. We do know, you know, if you know this story, it goes on to say that they fed them with what? Bread and fish. I just want you to take note when you're reading how the fish is not given any importance. It's all about the bread. Just, just take note of that. Jesus says, where are we going to get bread? He doesn't say, where are we going to get some bread and fish? He says, where are we going to get bread? And Philip's like, oh, we can't get bread. But Jesus knew. He knew what he was going to do. He already knew he was going to feed them. He was just saying to Philip to test him. So Jesus had a plan. What caused him to have a plan? Because all these people came because they were seeing him do signs. And he's like, I don't think they're understanding the signs. So I'm going to do something which will be a sign for them to understand what this is all about. So he said, so this is a different sign. This is not a healing, a miracle. He's going to do something different as a sign. But we are expert sign followers. In fact, I know that because you wouldn't be here following Jesus if you actually hadn't been able to follow the signs. But this might help you to hone and understand how to be a sign follower. So verse 7, Philip says, you know, 20, 200 denarii, which is about, you know, say $20,000, $30,000 worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone, anyone to receive a little. I always think it's interesting. He didn't say this is how much it would cost for the bread. He says this amount of money won't buy it. I'm taking a guess. That's how much money they had in the kitty. He said all our money won't buy us enough bread. You know, some people say they're, they're walking away with nothing. No, they had kitty, possibly $20,000 in the kitty. He said... Wow, if we just spend everything, we're not going to get everything. Um, we, it's not going to be sufficient, even if we ever give everyone a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, uh, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Uh, but what are these amongst so many people? What is he doing? Guy here with seven, he's, he's, he's fishing for something. Excuse the pun. But he's... he's, he's what do we do with this? Ah, oh, there's nothing, but, you know, Jesus, it's the laddie with this. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was, about, there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. So about 5,000 men, you know, twenty to 30,000 people. It's all happening. And Jesus took the loaves and having given thanks. Do you see that? Not the loaves and the fish. Just took the loaves. 
fish are there too, took the loaves, having given thanks. He, he particularly prayed and thanksgiving prayer over this. Distributed to those who were seated, likewise also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, the people saw the sign he had performed. They saw a sign. And they said, this is of a truth. He's the prophet who has come into the world. He's the man. He's the man. You think, well, that's one. Jesus must be so happy, so happy. They've seen the sign. They've understood the sign. That's what we want. We want to see people to see the things that Jesus does, see it as a sign. And this sounds like it's a really good response. But then look what happens in verse 15. It says, Jesus was therefore perceiving that they are intending to come and take him by force to make him king. In other words, people said, this guy is amazing. He's the prophet. Let's make him king because he's really unwilling to be king. He's just out here in the desert just being a prophet, but we need to make him king. We need to force him and we're going to march on Jerusalem and we say he is our king and we're coming to, because that's what the Messiah was meant to do was come and overthrow the Roman army, set them up like David and, and then Solomon's, you know, it would be like, that's what was going to happen. Jerusalem would once again become the center of all that God was doing in the earth and we would be th free from all this oppression. Jesus is out here in the wilderness. He's doing miracles. Now he's shown us he can turn bread enough to feed a multitude. I think we should make him king. Let's get this done. And Jesus is like, this is not who I am. They're not really understanding. See, that they think they understand the signs, but they're not really understanding what to do with it. They're not following it properly. So he withdraws. He goes up to the mountain by himself. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. So they're at Tiberias. They're heading across to Capernaum, you know, 10K boat ride or something like that. And it had become, already become dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea began to be stirred. I, I, I think, can I just say, I think this is a case where that last line should have been at the top. It says they came, they got in the boat and they're going, oh, because it had become dark and Jesus hadn't come. I forgot to tell you that. Jesus hadn't come. We don't know what to do. It's dark. He's gone. We think we should just go back to Capernaum. So off they head to Capernaum. And the sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. And when therefore they had rowed about three or four miles, the only partway into the journey, they beheld Jesus walking on the sea. I included that as miracle number six. If you want to know, I had found that the feeding of the multitude was number five. So I've got two out of this one, walking on the water and drawing near the boat. They were frightened, but he said, it's I, don't be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Suddenly they're there. That's miracle number seven. I'm not going to combine them. I need as many numbers as I can. <laughs> that is six and seven. Thank you, John. So all the people are still back here. Only the disciples have gone. They watched the disciples go and Jesus, because they're looking for Jesus. 
Why are they looking for Jesus? Well, they want to make him king. What else did Jesus do? Fed them. When is it? That's breakfast time. Where is that Jesus? <laughs> He's really good to follow. Is there any boy with pancakes? The next day, verse 22, the, the multitude that stood on the other side of the sea, because they're now in Tiberias, Jesus has gone up to uh, take them up to Capernaum, saw that there was no other small boat there except one that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. In other words, there's only one boat gone and Jesus wasn't in that. Doesn't make sense. So there came other small boats from Tiberias. So they got in the, many of them could, got in the boat near to the place where they ate the bread. And look how John describes it, where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. That's how he describes, I wouldn't have described it, I would have said the way where Jesus had fed the multitude with fish and loaves, a fish and, you know, fish and bread. No, that's the bread that was blessed, that's how, um, that's how they describe the miracle. When the multitude therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, now, um, John forgets to mention where they are in Capernaum. He does it in verse 59. <laughs> verse 59, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So he's actually in a synagogue now. They come to him. He says, I forgot to tell you that. I'm just so excited telling you all this stuff. So they get there and they find Jesus in the synagogue. It's important because the Pharisees are there as well as people. And now all these people crowd in. And um, they find him there and their question is, Rabbi, when did you get here? <laughs> How can we find you? You were up a mountain. We haven't seen you come down. And now you look like you've been you know, sitting here teaching for a while. How did that happen? Valid question. Jesus answered, and I love when Jesus answered, sometimes he doesn't answer the question. Have you ever found that with Jesus? You say, Jesus, why didn't you do this? And Jesus answers, that doesn't answer the question. You're answer he's answering the question you should have asked. Um, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. You didn't really get the sign. You're just here because you got your tummy filled. You ate something. You think that was the sign. That you didn't have actually. Like, so can you see? He's like, you didn't get the sign. 30,000 people, they didn't get the sign. He was trying to show them something very particular. Verse 27, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. Um, God's like, this is more than food, people. Don't think about food which is going to waste away, but think about actually something that will feed you for eternal life. Then verse 28, they said therefore to him, well, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus said, well, this is the work of God. You believe in him whom he has sent. The main thing, the core of it all, he said, you've got to believe in me. 
Not just enjoy the miracles I do, but you've got to believe in me, that my, my purpose, my calling, who I am in my very self. And um, verse 30, they said therefore, well, how about like this? What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? In other words, well, give us a real sign that we can believe you. What? <laughs> give, me, give us something we can really believe. It seems weird, doesn't it? One minute they're talking about signs. You know, people, people are often saying, well, if Jesus did, you know, show me, show me a sign, then I'll believe. Jesus doesn't really play that game. He says, well, I'll show you a sign, but you've got to read it. Trouble is, I'm showing you signs that you're confusing. I am demonstrating this to you already. I have given you what you need to know, but you're confused. So they said, they said okay, we'll give you a sign. Um, uh, our fathers, um, they said, verse, what, what work do you perform? They said, verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So I said, okay, now make it rain down from heaven for us. Then we'll know. If you're really from God, you may be able to make manna come down. They've just had five loaves and two fishes feed 30,000 people. They said, but I'll tell you what a real miracle looks like. You know, there's sometimes, it doesn't matter what you do, people will, nah, it just was just a fluke. It just happened. It was, you know. Um, it, it, sometimes you can, you, you can't get too bound up in trying to convince people. You can show them the sign but they need the revelation and the humility to embrace the sign. Our fathers ate you know, the manna. So Jesus, verse 32, said to them, Well, I say to you, it is, it is not Moses who gave you the bread out of heaven. Just to let you fix a little thing, they said, they said Moses gave us bread. He said, Moses never gave you nothing. Jesus knows because Jesus was there. All right? A lot of things he talks about with Moses and Abraham, he's like, I know. <laughs> Because I was talking to Moses and I was there. You know, I was, this is not a story to me. Moses who has given you the bread, um, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Well, they said, well, okay, Lord, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That's what the whole miracle is for. He's trying to show them, this is not about you just getting fed, it's about finding eternal food from me. I want you to make a connection between what Jesus has done. When Jesus does a miracle, he wants us to connect it from what he did to who he is. He wants you to go from, this is what he did for that person, to this is why and who he is and, and, and it's actually come from him this is not just a healing this is a this is his life he's a life giver he's a miracle he brings life and not just physical life he wants you to extrapolate it out he wants to understand you might you got a physical healing he wants to heal your soul he gave you an extension of your physical life he wants to give you life eternal he wants you to make those connections 
He wants you to see what God has done. Every time he's provided for you, he wants you to say, you know, that's because I'm a provider, and I provided your salvation, and I provided for you to live with me in eternity. I, he, just want you, he said, this is just like a, I want you to see it as a little sliver, and you, I want you to then look into me and see how big this is. Verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For, I've, for I have come down from heaven. This is something I'm amazed at, how often this is referred to in the book of John. Jesus, people say, oh, he was a good teacher. He was nuts if he was not God. Seriously. He referred to himself so many times as, I was in heaven and I came down. I was with God and I came down. We're looking, John, John 17 in his great prayer to, the, to, to God, to the Father, right as he's about to go to the cross, he said, um, um, uh, I've accomplished the work you've given to me, do. Um, verse 5, And now glorify you me together with yourself, Father, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He says, oh, I remember how... When before we even created the world, we, had, we were together in glory. And I'm looking forward to going back into that glory. Normal people shouldn't speak like that. <laughs> even good teachers can't speak like that. It's, it's just nuts. I, 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 you're talking as if you existed before you're 30 to, you know, 32 years on earth, however long at that stage he was. Oh, yeah, he talks about being with Moses and other... Come on. He talks about, I've come from heaven. You know, later on in verse 70, 60, somewhere. That's, that's a really good, clear sign. Um, uh, verse 62, when he was talking, this, we'll get to this, but he says, what, what then if you should behold the Son of Man ascending where he was before? What are you going to do when you see me go back to where I was before? I'm going to heaven, but I'm going for the first time. When I, you know, who's in that boat? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, it'll be wonderful when I get there, but I haven't seen it yet. Now, I know some people can go and then come back and go again, but they, they all start here. And then we go, and sometimes they come back. You know, Lazarus, up and then back. Hey, and then, but eventually back up again. You know what I mean? Like, it's... it's but no one starts up <laughs> and then comes down and then back up. That's, that doesn't happen unless you're the son of God. So verse um, 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will who sent me, that all is given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. I'm, I'm here on a mission to get you all saved and able to go with me, but I, in order to do that, I need you to connect with who I am, not just say that was a nice miracle, but that they need, you need to actually connect with me. Unless you see Jesus in his awesomeness, but then respond, it will do you no good. Does it mean it's no good just knowing, okay, he was good or putting him to the side or, you know, I'm, there are people watching. You, you, you sort of, I've heard of Jesus. You need to do more than hear of him. You need to come to the place where you believe in him. It doesn't do any good 
knowing or anything, you must come to this point. And that's what Jesus is saying. These people were enjoying miracles, but he said, you must actually go beyond that because my task is to get you to connect and bring eternal life into you. And so we all go together and you have a home in heaven, but also here on earth, you do the things that I'm calling you to do. And um, verse 40, for this is the will of my, of my father, that everyone who beholds the son believes in him and may have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Now, remember, where was he? John had forgotten to mention it, but we jumped ahead because I'm a teacher and I put the information in the right order. He was in the synagogue. So it's not only the people that have come from Tiberias. Now he's got all the people that are sitting there and there's some Jews and Pharisees. That, that must have, you know, not just in Jerusalem. But they've come up to this place. They're sitting here. And they're hearing this discussion and they're not happy. They were grumbling about him because he said, verse 41, I'm the bread that came down out of heaven. <laughs> and then they're saying, come on, this is Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? So you can see, I'm not, being, I'm not extrapolating out and saying it was a bit weird. They thought it was weird. They all understood he is saying weird stuff. We, come on, come out of heaven. We know your mum and dad. Can't call Nazareth heaven. No. They're mocking. What are you talking about? They're not doing very well to read the signs, people. Um, you know, we saw some of those signs that were a bit confusing. I reckon when I first read this, I thought, Jesus, you're messing up the sign now. Follow now as Jesus... <laughs> How many times I think, Jesus, you could just settle everything down and explain a few things. He doesn't. He stirs it all up. He turns the sign upside down and back to front. No, 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 Jesus, just make it clear. My teacher heart says, make it clear. Jesus says, and John agrees with him. And that's why I'm trying to walk in his drumbeat because he doesn't do it like me. And um, I actually got myself in a bit of a bind for a few, you know, until a few years ago when the Lord sorted me out. So maybe you can do the benefit, get sorted out with me. So listen, listen how it starts to go south. All right, so they're confused. Bread from heaven, you know, your parents, doesn't make sense. Jesus, verse 43, Jesus said, well, don't grumble amongst yourselves. Thank God we never have to say that today in church. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will, I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that any man has seen the Father except the one who is from God and he has seen the Father. He's basically, I'm the only one who's truly seen God. Wow. That's going to make them happy. Truly, truly, verse 47, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Ha! Your fathers. Isn't he a Jew? <laughs> but it's your fathers. Why? Because he's above it. He's, he's from the heaven side. 
your fathers ate and they all died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world, it's my flesh. Oh, that's not going to go down well. <laughs> you ate bread, now I'm going to give you more bread. My flesh. Eat my flesh and you'll live forever. I'm like, maybe don't phrase it like that. <laughs> maybe explain that you're not talking literally. Listen, I'm going to give you an example here. Eat my flesh, but don't really eat my flesh. You know, not, Jesus is spinning this sign. Um, where was I up to? I was pretty excited. I think for, for 51 I read, which I shall give you the life is my flesh. The Jews began to argue with one another saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus therefore said to him, oh man, you probably misunderstood. I was just using analogy. He said, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. I can imagine the disciples like wetting themselves out. Jesus, just stop talking. <laughs> it's just going south. Because, you know, cannibalism wasn't allowed in Jewish life. That's what it sounds like. Doesn't it sound like he's asking them to just eat him and drink his blood? And that's the way to get saved. Um, I can't remember what I was up to. Let's just start from 57. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me shall also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Wow, this sign is getting really complicated. <laughs> this is getting... It started off well. Let's eat bread and fish that's been multiplied. And it's turned into a, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood challenge. Verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they, first heard, when they, sorry, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. You can listen to it. It's, I'm struggling. This is a lot of people, these disciples, these followers that said, I really don't like this. It's tough. I'm not enjoying this at all. Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled, he's aware of everybody grumbling now, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What if you're going to behold the Son of Man ascending back to where he was before? It's the Spirit who gives life. There's a clue there, people. It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I'm not talking about physical things. That's, what he, that's, that's the clue for them. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. It's my words that are bringing this to you. That's what you've got to eat from. That's the, 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 the things I say are what you've got to embrace and in, put in. 
Verse 64. But there's some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. Wow. Nailing that right there. And he was saying, For this reason I've said to you that no one can come to to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. Interesting choice. Whoever, this was not in the original Bible, obviously, if you didn't know it, chapters and verses were added many years later to just make it easier to reference things. This ends up as 666. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. I see why that is the 666 verse in the Bible. (laughs) As a result, they left him. They just got confused by the sign and in the end, I think the actual Greek there, um, withdrew means went back to where they were. They withdrew means I'm going back. I'm returning to my old way. I'm going back to when I, before I was a follower and I'm not doing this anymore. Jesus therefore said to the 12, Hey, you want to go as well? Do you? Jesus has not read the books on how to lead people effectively. This is not the way to build. Do you want to go too? This is your chance. Are you heading off? Peter says, verse 68, "Uh, Lord, to whom will we go? That's not probably the best answer. It's like, I don't, we, no other options, I'm sorry. (laughs) Doesn't, not like real confidence, but he says, you, listen to what he says, you have words of eternal life. Your words are the ones that bring us to life. We've believed and have come to know you are the Holy One of God. Um, I, for many years, sympathized with the disciples that got offended and left. Because I thought it would be really tough to hear that type of teaching without sort of explanation to be told, if your leader came to you and said, you've got to eat my flesh, you've got to drink my blood, otherwise you can't be saved, I'd be like, um, I don't think we should do that. <laughs> Maybe you're not giving us the, the right teaching. So I, I, had, I had an empathy with them. And Jesus is like, why? Well, I'm like, Jesus, come on. Come on. You were saying things. You were saying things that would... You were muddying the sign. You made the sign very difficult to read. He said, the 12 stayed. The 12 stayed. They read it. They got it. They dug in. They, weren't, they, they were able to work through this. I expected them all to be able to work through this. I expected them all to be able to push through when it looked a little bit fuzzy and say one thing, but I know you are the one that brings words that are the only one that can bring eternal life. I have learnt to push through 
find what Jesus is really trying to say. And not get confused or not get offended or not get sidetracked or not give up or not get thrown to the, the side. We need to be those that are not only saying he's awesome, but we're saying, and I'm latching on and I'm holding on and I'm going all the way with you and I'm getting everything you've got for me because you're the one that brings eternal life to here. I am not going to be one of those ones that goes partway because I'm having enjoy the good times, but when I don't get it, I know Jesus says, push through and you'll connect in a way that I've always intended you to connect to. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I appreciate you. That was a long chapter to get through and well done. But you needed to get through the whole chapter. And you need to embrace the Jesus who not only does miracles, but has far greater connection and purpose for you. Not just to heal your body, but to give you a life internally. Not just to give you a restoration here, but a part in his great plan. A Jesus who says, I need you. Because <laughs> I, I was offended, I couldn't actually hear what he was saying. But he's actually saying, you've got to eat my flesh, drink my... In other words, you've got to say, you've got to be all in. You've got to really, really embrace me. You've got to say, Jesus, I'm taking you wholeheartedly. I'm embracing you. I'm making you a part of my life. I'm going to dwell in that place. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that not only is Jesus awesome in what he has done, but we declare he is awesome in who he is. He is awesome. He is the Son of God. He has paid for my sin. He has made a path for me. He has opened up his life told me to embrace him and feed from him and receive him into my life. He says, if I will feed from him, I'll never be hungry again. If I will drink from him, I will never thirst again. In Jesus, I am finding the satisfaction that can be found nowhere else on this earth. A peace that goes beyond every, every bit of understanding I have and beyond everything the earth can provide. You are the only one that if I feed from you and let you into all the way, you will actually give me that depth of satisfaction. And I thank you for it. I thank you for the peace that I can have and the joy I can walk in because of that. Amen. Hallelujah.